This is episode 55 of Sunday Morning Manga for Sunday, January 28th, 2024. It is not safe for work. Let's get started. Welcome to Sunday Morning Manga. I am Derek S. McGrath. My pronouns are he, him, his. You can find a transcript and links from today's episode at derekesmcgrath.wordpress.com. Contributions are appreciated at coffee.com slash derekesmcgrath. Purchases from my Amazon wishlist are also appreciated. And you can email me at derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. I live stream on Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern on Twitch and YouTube at Derek S. McGrath. A podcast version is then available the following Sunday at 6 a.m. Eastern, wherever you get your podcasts. Early access to the podcast and other works in progress are available at patreon.com slash Derek S. McGrath. Next episode will be a live reaction to Undead Unluck, Chapter 193, as well as my thoughts on the anime. You can listen to that live on February 4th at 11 a.m. Eastern. But today we're doing a live reaction to Chapter 95 of Akane Banashi. The series is written by Yuki Swinaga, illustrated by Takamasa Maui, with Rakugo supervision by Kaiki Hayashiya. The English translation is by Stephen Paul, with lettering by Sneera Heron. Akane Banashi is licensed by Viz and can be read at viz.com. Before we get to chapter 95, I want to talk about chapter 94, because damn if that chapter didn't satisfy. Let's do a recap about where we are right now in Akane Banashi. And hats tip to the Akane Banashi wiki for character pages that helped me remember who was who in this story's ever-enlarging cast. What happened in chapter 94? In that chapter, Rakugo performer Chocho meets with a Rakugo mentor other than his own, that being Akane's mentor, Shiguma. Over cups of sake, Chocho asks to learn more about Shiguma's style because he's trying to make sense about a peer of his, that being one of Shiguma's previous students, Taizen. Taizen has been upset with himself over what happened to Akane's father, who had been expelled from Rakugo by Isho. Chocho then shifts discussion about how Akane herself is getting ready for a new match, and yet another Rakugo master, that being Sensho, has it out for Akane because Shiguma is her teacher. Chocho gets to the point. Shiguma didn't do enough to protect Akane's father from getting booted, so is he going to let that happen to Akane too? I'm going to pause here. There is a reason I had to go to the Akane Banashi wiki. The last time I did a live reaction to this manga was about chapter 70 in episode 46 of Sunday Morning Manga on July 16, 2023. That was a long time ago. Compounding the problem of remembering who is who is that the intricacies of who is holding a grudge against whom in Akane Banashi is the stuff of Victorian and Edwardian novels, where you need a map for Charles Dickens' Our Mutual Friend to know how anyone knows anyone else and who is in allegiance with whom. Of all the characters I mentioned just now, the only three I remember are Akane, her teacher Shiguma, and her dad. Because I didn't remember Chocho. And I had to read in the wiki that Taizen wasn't even named until much later in the manga, despite being a physical presence far longer. Okay, rants out of the way, back to chapter 94. 
Chocho makes it clear to Shiguma, if he won't defend Akane, then Chocho will. I know next to nothing about Chocho, despite reading each chapter upon release, I'm not retaining all information for each character. But, seeing how adamant he is about Akane, her dad, and Tizen, this all works. We already know Akane can hold her own. It's not as if gender is not going to be a part of this, of course it will, but it is also Chocho laying out clearly in his monologue why he is worried, what drives him, and what he is going to do about it. Coupling Chocho's words with the paneling, including close-ups on Chocho's clenched hands on his drink, where the word balloon is coming off of his hands, not out of his mouth, before cutting to his face where every line is jagged, his shark teeth, his narrow eyes, his eyebrows forming a triangle with smaller triangles coming off of that, his spiky hair, his intensity from the words to the paneling to the character design. All of this amps up the energy to these pages. This works. I know next to nothing about Chocho, and this quickly, I like this guy. It is Ichiro energy. It is Bakugo if Bakugo wasn't an utter dick. We will be discussing Bakugo at the end of today's episode, so spoilers for My Hero Academia. The benefit Akane Banashi has had is that it knows how to pair paneling, dialogue, and character design so that each reinforces whatever the Rakugo performance is trying to say. Hat tip to a Reddit thread about chapter 93 of Akane Banashi for making that detail clearer to me, especially with how well Stephen Paul has done on the Viz English translation to help reinforce what the imagery is doing. Anyway, back to chapter 94 itself. After Chocho goes into that monologue, Shiguma needs just one sentence to cut him off at the legs. Quote, Well, you certainly talk the talk. We then cut to a panel of Shiguma contemplating the past. Again, the paneling here helps the dialogue and his English translation so much. We get Chocho's intensity for so many pages before stopping cold with a large panel of just Shiguma thinking of the past. A flashback panel from, I guess, chapter one of Akane's parents asking permission for Shiguma to teach her. And then Chocho's surprise when Shiguma says he remembers all of this, so Chocho's recap is not necessary. He knows what is at stake. We then cut back to that same panel of Shiguma remembering and thinking, but now the image is larger. The close-up is closer. The shadows are darker. And we have little marks around Shiguma to emphasize that there is this energy to what he is saying. Look again at page 8 of chapter 94. Look at all those short small dark lines up in the air around Shiguma, whether to emphasize this is a moment where time stands still and the contrast of light and dark is so intense that you can see the dust particles, or that this is as if Shiguma's energy is so strong it is levitating small debris around him. We cut back to Chocho who stares at Shiguma, 
before we do a close-up to his shark-toothed grin and his acknowledgement that he is happy Shiyuma said he will make sure Akane will not receive the same ignomy as her father. And I can even let Alan laugh when Chocho gives what is probably a sincere apology given how he is holding his knees and bending forward. But he's also seated, just drank, is probably tired after this discussion, and this translated dialogue is that he's saying he's sorry for, quote, running his mouth. I love this. I love how the translation sets a tone that you don't quite know how to read Chocho here. He is looking apologetic, but he is also in a chair, is tired, and is just trying to get up. It's not a sincere apology by the body language, but you're welcome to read it as such. And even the sincerity to the apology is challenged by Shuma, who says, quote, don't you dare apologize. Is that because he knows the apology is fake, or is he just that prideful? It's ambiguous enough that you get to talk about it, and that's what I'm appreciating about this chapter. We turn the page, and Shiguma even dismisses any sincerity by saying that the serious sock is getting in the way of their tasty drinks, and Chocho gives that soft smile back, and man, it's just so good how in a few pages... I'm already enjoying Chocho because he shows this much dimensionality despite his design and demeanor, and because we like Shiguma and he likes Chocho, we can trust this guy too. Anyway, let's wrap up this summary of chapter 94 so I can get to chapter 95 already. We cut to Akane practicing her Tanuki dice performance. We use a page turn and a blank panel to communicate a time skip where everyone else heard Akane's rehearsal, but we haven't, as we're saving that for later in this arc. Her peers are surprised, and then we point out that Akane's dad will be coming to her upcoming performance. I'm skipping ahead past some exposition from the reporters, where they repeat information about how Akane's father was expelled by Isho, and about the upcoming Rakugo tournament, including how it's featuring people from two different factions, the Arakawa School and the Rakugo Federation, and how these two factions formed because Isho expelled Akane's father, and Shigama not stopping the expulsion. I'm not saying this exposition doesn't work, but I am passing over it as it is set up for what will come later, and reestablished previous information to refresh the readers. It's appreciated, even if it's not that eye-catching or compelling. It's the lull the story needs to keep the readers informed. We cut to everyone heading to the tournament, including Akane preparing for her debut. But as we see everyone on their way, go back a page and spot Tizen reflecting on what Akane promised to him, that she's ready to be a Rakugo performer, and what Rakugo Master Senjo told Taizen to not recommend Akane. And that brings us to the present. In any case, let's jump into today's live reaction, that being to Chapter 95 of Akane Banashi. The series is written by Yuki Sunaga, illustrated by Takamasa Maui, with Rakugo supervision by Kaiki Hayashiya. The English translation is by Stephen Paul, with lettering by Sneera Heron. 
Akinate Bonashi is licensed by Viz and can be read at viz.com. Today's chapter is titled, It's Been a While. We see signs outside promoting the upcoming competition. We see flowers laid out from friends and family. We see the crowd starting to come in. We see the backstage entrance. We are setting the scene. On the next page, we see the reporters a bit intimidated by everyone there, including the chairman of the Rakugo Federation. And there's Chocho with that shit-eating grin as he faces off against Mirku. But something again cuts off Chocho at the legs, which seems to be a common occurrence every time he faces the older generation. Miraku gets bothered at Chocho's appearance and then says how long it's been since he heard someone from the Arakawa school and he thinks he will, quote, enjoy this one. Chocho can't figure out whether Miraku is being serious. That is the sign of a good performer, so not a bad approach. I then like the little moment where, before I turn the page, I assume it's Akane about to approach her peers. And we've moved from Chocho having a shark tooth smile to now frowning with his bottom teeth poking up as if he's an oni. And sure enough, there's Akane struggling to carry a big box full of hand towels. I'm glad we're not fully going into the direction of high school comedy, clumsy, someone about to trip. We are leaning into Akane's innocence as well as her youthful ambition that she is eager to do the hard work in order to help others, which makes her endearing. Chocho teases her, saying that she's still, quote, running errands even before today's debut performance. And yet she's humble enough and has her own little smile of determination saying she is the apprentice here. She understands what she has to accomplish. And as she said, she is prepared to go on stage. She's ready. But Chocho was wondering where did Tizen go? And there's the cue as he has a phone call coming in from Tizen. Unfortunately, it turns out Tizen is delayed getting to appear at the performance alongside Akane. So we had the lineup showing it's going to be Akane first, then Tizen, then Chocho. So that does give some time for Tizen to arrive. And it is odd. I'm not sure when the manga established in this arc that Akane would be the first to perform today. I'll be curious how that changes the setup. We've had some arcs where Akane goes so late in the performance because we're building anticipation. Now we switch to the anticipation isn't about whether she can do the performance. It's now whether Tizen will show up and whether his performance will complement what Akane is doing. And that's when Chocho realizes this must be a lie. Even as Chocho aloud is saying that you know, this happens, he does this frequently where he just shows up late. Chocho is actually thinking that's not the only reason. He doesn't want to break his promise to Akane, or rather, doesn't want to undermine Akane's expectations, and doesn't want to break his promise to his own master 
So the way he'll get out of it is this very cowardly decision to just not show up. If he can't show up, he can't judge Akane, so problem solved. It gets worse, though, when we flip to the next page. Chocho refers to Tizen as so obstinate that he doesn't believe he would break the promise to Akane and Chocho. Instead, it was his master that must have done something to prevent Tizen. I'm a little confused. Is this literally a he physically blocked him? That he manipulated the situation so Tizen couldn't show up? I mean, this is getting a little bit ridiculous. I know this is a tournament story. It can be like any sports drama. But these Rakugo performers aren't having full control over the weather and road construction and traffic jams and governments. Like, there's only so much he can do. Or does he have some mafia ties we're going to find out about? Chocho begins calling Tizen. Akane asks, what are they going to do? Is there anything that can be done? Akane is taking responsibility, saying, I want to help. I've already been doing all these errands. I can do more work. Quote, is there anything I can do? Chocho tries to put her in her place, acting as her master, her mentor, her senior, saying, thanks for your help. I don't know what you can do. So all you can do is wait. And he's trying to sound encouraging, but he's so emphatic and all the angles to his word balloons, even though Akane is trying to match his, where, like, the word balloons that she's giving even match his own. They're all full of energy and spiky. This is not Chocho giving words of encouragement to be nice. This is still an abrasiveness. So even something as small as here's how the word balloons work is working for me. I know people were trying to bring that same argument to My Hero Academia, and I'm just not seeing it. I've seen the argument that look at how Shigaraki's balloons are collapsing, the panels are collapsing because he's destroying society and physical objects. It never worked for me. Something here with Chojo doing this is far more appealing. We cut elsewhere to see Tizen's phone. We're not yet sure where we are. It looks to be a rocky surface. We see that Chocho's name and number are stored in Tizen's phone, so hinting at enough familiarity between the two. Tizen is just at, for lack of a better description, a gazebo at a pond. Tizen is complaining how, quote, unfair what his master is doing and that he will not defy his master. Tizen also realizes that to say nothing to not engage with art is a refusal of what is expected of an artist. You can't just avoid Akane's performance. The fact that we had the phone constantly raining and also ripples in the water with the duck. I know this is silly. I almost saw for a moment. Is he just going to ditch the phone into the pond? Tizen is then interrupted by a pair of dress shoes and a rolling suitcase. So. Given that this person seems to recognize Tizen, I'm going to guess it's Akane's dad. So, nice intervention of fate here, which at least to me comes across more as serendipitous rather than someone pulling the strings. Because 
I still don't know how Tizen's master could have stopped him from showing up. So I'm glad it is just Tizen refused to show up as opposed to he's literally restrained. We know that the person rolling up to Tizen recognizes him because he says, quote, I see that habit hasn't left you. And this is the same spot that Tizen comes to when he's troubled. And there he is, Akane's dad. I appreciate that we can already tell it's him from the back, but we still keep it. And then we cut to Tizen's wide-eyed surprise. There's a lot of Fukuzawa in that expression from Bungo Stray Dogs, what we're seeing, so I appreciate that detail. We then cut to actually get the full image of Akane's father, who even has a bit of the Fukuzawa scarf that he's wearing. Tizen recognizes his old friend and calls him out by his stage name Shinta, and Akane's dad has to say, I've been expelled. I'm just a salesperson. The performer you knew, Shinta Arukawa, is dead. And we cut back to Chocho's phone call still coming in, although it's now silent, even though it says incoming call. There's a lot to do in these last pages, even with Akane's dad lowering his head in embarrassment and shame. This is quite the cliffhanger. It sets up the stakes well. I like where we end here. It makes me want to come back next time, but there is also that sense of, you know, we're not done yet, and now we gotta wait a week to see what happens next. This at least ends on a moment. And this is one of the frustrations I've had with a lot of serialized comics lately, and then when they get adapted for television, they don't know where to end the moment. I had that complaint last time about Martial Master Asumi, which, yeah, I read today's chapter before I came into today's episode, and yeah, still not liking that series. I didn't like it last week. I'm not liking it right now. I appreciate that we finally have some action in the newest chapter of Martial Master Asumi, but it's all action built around, oh, suddenly out of nowhere, Nito has taken the lead, and I don't know why, aside from the story telling us, he just wanted it more. That's not compelling as a way to do a sports match. This is more compelling that we let Akane's dad end this chapter, and that it's him intervening, intentionally or not, by pure chance or by actual intention, to intervene, to get Tizen to honor his responsibilities as an artist and, as a fringe benefit, help Akane along the way. So, I like this conclusion. I like the slower pace in these last pages where it just ties in with his thoughts. I like that Akane's dad gets a full introduction that we're really going to milk every last scene. Start with the shoes, then show the back of the head, then show him from the front that we know who it is, but we're going to treat him as someone whose appearance here is pivotal and important. So, overall, Akane Banashi continues to impress. I don't know whether it will get an adaptation for animation. I would enjoy it, but I am hesitant to expect much given that what comics can accomplish is so different from what animation can. And 
unfortunately a lot of comics moved into animation sacrifice a lot of very good storyboarding that you could get from the original panels and yet are trying to stick so close to character designs that work in a comic but aren't very fluid in animation on the other hand it is rakugo it is an audio format it would work really well animated and would probably be educational for people like me who don't know anything about this style of art. So, I'm happy with this chapter. This was a good palate cleanser after how badly everything was with Martial Master Osami last week. I'll wrap up there, but before I ask about Akane Banashi, there are two manga-related topics I want to touch upon, and this is wholly self-indulgent. First topic, I finally sat through the CGI Lupin the Third film. That was really good. Maybe I can talk about that another time, but hey, a story about ancestry, lineage, all these obvious visual clues about Lupin's ancestry that were right there in the marketing that I overlooked and which are actualized in the film's climax. And hey, Nazi punching. You get to see Lupin punching Nazis. That is in no way related to our present situation where we have the modern-day equivalent of the Nazi party, the Republican party, trying to pull the United States into a further right-wing bend of authoritarianism, bigotry, and anti-Semitism. Maybe I can talk about this film at greater length another time, especially that climax, because it is bizarre how the film most definitely does not want you to sympathize with the villains, but weirdly is also having Lupin pity them, which is a tonal clash. In any case, I enjoyed the film. Go check it out. Second topic, I won't get too far into today's newest chapter as... I only read spoilers, not the chapter itself in English, but My Hero Academia is still not working, and damn, the Bakugo redemption cycle sours me more and more. I had thought upon initial release when Bakugo actually apologized to Izuku that this was the start to more compelling characterization for him, after how good Chocho was in Akane Banashi with the same visual design. But then you have a chapter like today's that shows that Bakugo's rage at Izuku was still so prevalent so far into their education that it is frustrating how small an apology Bakugo gives as if that wipes away all the problems he caused. And I'm going to go off script for a moment reading it in translation in English now. It's really bothersome that they're using Bakugo to say, Hey, Izuku, model yourself off of Bakugo in order to stop Shigaraki. I saw so many complaints about how it doesn't feel like Izuku is thinking up any strategy on his own, that it's all the previous holders of One for All doing the thinking. This also sours me that instead of Izuku, out of his own ambition, thinking, okay, here's how to defeat Shigaraki, it's just... Learn from Bakugo's example because he's really great at this. 
there is so much trying to make Bakugo the best creature ever because isn't he smart? Isn't he really good at what he does? And every time it's just the story deciding it. How's he be Ochako? He just does. He's that smart. How's he be Todoroki? He's just that smart. How would he be Class B? He's just that smart. It never feels like we're seeing a strategy. It's just he has a powerful ability and is arrogant and willing to do anything, and that's it. The fact that we're using his bullying to say Izuku can learn from that to stop Shigaraki. When we say that the way to stop a bully is to confront the bully, we don't mean Izuku should act like Bakugo to stop Shigaraki. We mean Shigaraki is a bully, even as he is the product of a cycle of toxic behavior and just a toxic environment that created him, as well was Bakugo, which we can debate his parentage, we can debate how the teachers handled him. It is toxicity that fomented the worst in these characters. Izuku shouldn't be learning from Bakugo threw the papers really hard in your face that one time, use that against Shigaraki. I saw people laughing at the panel saying, isn't it funny how Bakugo was just so angry and yet so pathetic? And it's like, he's a guy who was never disciplined and keeps thinking, how much further can I push this without getting punished? You know, almost like a real world application that costs you millions of dollars when someone finally says, enough of your bullshit, we're going to hold you accountable. And yes, we will get political in a moment. Going back to my script, no teacher disciplines him or tries to reform him. I mean, yeah, there was best genus, and even that never quite worked for me, given what a non-entity best genus was for so much of Bakugo's story and how little that internship did at the moment when it occurred in the Stain arc. And yeah, there is Aizawa, who evidently is so okay with all the shit Bakugo did, from the paper flaming in today's chapter, stabbing Zuku in the head, getting into brawls with him. It's just fine that Bakugo never gets to go to detention, does not have to take remedial lessons, and that there seems to be not one therapist in all of UA to help Bakugo manage all the problems he is dealing with. And yeah, this new chapter today, there is a lot to get upset about with where the plot is going for Izuku and his one-for-all power. But for some reason, the part that made me lose all patience was Bakugo yet again getting away with shit. And that is the point. Izuku is just that patient and kind. And it is not Superman-esque or Christ-like. It's just letting the bully once again get away with it. How disappointing. That flashback shows why Bakugo's apology never worked, at least for me. There is still too much awfulness in Bakugo to respond to all of it in an apology. Words fail when what is needed is action, and Bakugo's actions have not made up for what he has done, and yeah, I'm saying almost dying repeatedly hasn't made up for it because the awful behavior and the toxicity persists. The intentions persist even as an action is used to act like this makes us even, right? Nope. And that's not even getting into the failure of UA teachers to discipline Bakugo. I'm going to be repeating myself, but 
he physically harmed Izuku repeatedly for no reason with no punishment. Stabbed his headpiece into Izuku's head, blew him up in the zombie OVA, now threw papers in his face. And never was he shown in detention for any of this, or suspended or expelled. The only punishment he got was a talking down by Momo and Ida in the OVA, where he still didn't apologize, and home arrest after brawling with Izuku, and even then Izuku also gets punished because, you know, both sides. Sorry, I'm wrestling with myself whether Izuku should have kicked the shit out of this bully so he would stop bullying him. On to better news, there is an excellent post on Reddit, talk about Paradox, by username Arrows001, that touches upon the nature versus nurture argument in My Hero Academia when it comes to quirks, and whether there is any relationship between the compulsion to use a quirk and the personality that person grows to have. The post also touches upon spoilers for how the series may end and the lack of thematic validity that the quirk doomsday theory must inevitably lead to everyone in the series losing their quirk. My Hero Academia, as a series and as a discourse, has bothered me a lot over the last five or so years. But this is a well-thought, evidence-based argument. Not necessarily one you have to agree with, but one that is just, again, well-thought, well-argued, and evidence-based. Please check out that post about nature versus nurture in My Hero Academia by Aros001. Link is in the description. But that's all I have to say about manga stuff today. Thank you for listening to another episode of Sunday Morning Manga. What did you think about Chapter 95 of Akane Banshi? Have you been able to keep track of all these characters? Let me know your thoughts in the comments section or email me, derek.s.mcgrath at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please let me know. Contributions at coffee.com slash derekasmcgrath and patreon.com slash derekasmcgrath are appreciated. Please include a note to let me know what you liked in the live stream and what you would like to hear more of and your contributions give you the opportunity to recommend works for me to cover each week. You can join other Patreon and Coffee contributors such as Emily Lauer, Alec Roach, and Alexis Duran. Thank you all for your support. And if you liked what you heard, or didn't like what you heard, check out Other People's Awesome Stuff. A blog roll of recommended people to check out is at my site, derekasmcgrath.wordpress.com. And here is where I get all political again. I'm going to recommend something far older, a podcast called Buzz Burbank News and Comments. Buzz is no longer making new podcast episodes, although you can hear him elsewhere online. I am asking you to listen to one of the final episodes of Buzz's podcast, that being the episode from December 17, 2020. I want you to think where we are three years later. I want you to listen to that podcast and recognize how bad things were in December 2020 so that you can learn from it. Think about how bad COVID was and still is. Listen to Buzz in December 2020 talk about how Republicans were trying to subvert the will of voters. And this was all well before January 6th. Think about how Republicans actively tried to make matters worse. 
Think about where we are in the economy compared to now. What Republicans attempted to do to keep their fascists in office and deny our right to vote. Now, having listened to that podcast, also check out Tom Hartman's new article about how Republicans got into the White House through illegitimate means. Republicans will rant and lie about how the election was stolen from that orange monster. While they themselves got into the White House repeatedly without a popular vote through only unwarranted legal interference by a right-wing Supreme Court and then lie to everyone else to pretend that their candidate didn't lose. This is what Republicans and the larger corporate media want you to focus on. So, one more thing before I wrap up. That orange dipshit loses a court case and as of now is compelled to pay almost $90 million. And instead, MSNBC has one of their know-nothing reporters live at his hate rally in Nevada. That man is compelled to pay almost $90 million, losing a case related to sexual assault, and still, MSNBC wants this jackass in office so badly. Think about where we are this early in 2024. This monster, this man accused of sexual assault, this man who helped foment an insurrection, is paraded around by the media as the person who should get into the White House. Fuck that noise. Campaign now for Democrats and Biden. You know, Biden, who gave a speech in South Carolina that didn't get live coverage last night, but this orange dipshit can go around screaming like a lunatic over in Nevada and get all of the oxygen sucked out of the room. Campaign now for Democrats and Biden so that we can kick Republicans out of office. Let's see MSNBC actually carry a Democrats rally instead of every time that orange monster takes a verbal shit in public. Let's see Kamala Harris's appearances get as much coverage as this maniac. Let's see that happen, and then maybe I won't criticize how corporate media really, really, really wants those tax breaks that they think they're going to get if their savior gets back into the White House. If you can legally vote where you live, check your voter registration at vote.org. And while you're at, look up any local race in your area. See whether a Democrat is running for that seat and get to work getting the best Democrat you can into office. Please visit postcardstovoters.org for more information about how a campaign. But there I go being political. That's all for this weekend. Next week, let's talk about the new Undead Unluck anime, as well as a live reaction to chapter 193 of that series. Schedule updates will be posted at youtube.com slash Derek S. McGrath. Until next time, stay safe out there, people. Make sure to mask up, get vaccinated, install ad blockers, register a vote, campaign against fascism, and against war, and against genocide, and against terrorism, and learn and practice anti-bigotry. I've been Derek S. McGrath. You have a good afternoon. Bye. Sunday Morning Manga is intended for information and entertainment purposes only. All names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content is the intellectual property of the speaker, me, unless otherwise indicated. The views and opinions expressed on this live stream are those of the speaker, me, 
and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any other persons mentioned in this stream. Aside from the names of Patreon and Coffee contributors, other persons, businesses, organizations, or entities mentioned in this episode are not sponsors of this episode. My remarks about those persons, businesses, organizations, and entities are not paid endorsements. The views and opinions expressed on this live stream are those of the speaker, me, and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of coffee contributors, Patreon contributors, or any other persons mentioned in this stream. Music today include the tracks titled Los Angeles by Music Production, Sunshine by Lemon Music Studio, Morning Garden, Acoustic Chill, Bio Lexi. These songs are royalty free and available at Pixabay. Links are in the description.